was no one going to tell me that William Hurt died in March of 2022, or was I supposed to find that out by myself? I am so hurt. Oh, I'm sorry. That, 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 that was unintentional. I'm so upset by the knowledge that Thunderbolt Ross bit the, bit the dirt before he got a chance to be Red Hulk that we're doing our first ever cold open. Welcome to Cinematic uh, Comic Verse. I've got Corey and Ryan with me. Ryan is about to tell me why he didn't tell me that Red Hulk I, met, met his maker. I am actually going to tell you that I recently found out William Hurt died as well, and I just feel like it wasn't broadcast, really. I, I, I found out that William Hurt died when I read the report that Kathleen Kennedy axed the announcement at the D23 panel that Harrison Ford is apparently going to step in and, and assume the role of Thunderbolt Ross. I think that Harrison Ford should stop acting. That's my hot, that's my hot take for everybody. I, I think he just doesn't seem like he really enjoys it. Yeah. I feel like I, I had an experience at one of the few comic con events I went to. Uh, this was the fan expo in Salt Lake City. The one of the actors there was Christopher Lloyd, Doc Brown himself. And you could have him sign something for, let's say, like a hundred dollars, which none of us wanted to do. Bargain at any price. <laughs> um, but you could also wait in the line and just say like a few words to him or just have like a quick conversation, which is what my friends and I did, both dressed as Nacho Libre characters. Uh, I was not uh, dressed, but I, I kind of regret that I wasn't. Also, another story that I'll, I'll share after this. But, not like, I hope this isn't offensive in any way, but Christopher Lloyd just seemed tired and seemed like he didn't really want to be there. And I said that he was a great actor or something to that effect. And maybe it's just the nature of the convention where it's just like, okay, I'm, I'm just here for my paycheck, but I just feel like you reach a certain age. And if you're big enough, the money men of Hollywood will find a way to get Harrison Ford to be Indiana Jones four more times. So my my only pushback on on your well-reasoned thesis is that I would give Harrison Ford unlimited license to do Indiana Jones movies because it feels like the only project that he's still passionate about. That's um, fair. There, there there there's like that now iconic clip of him just being a total grump when someone asked him no doubt for like the 5,000th time. Okay. Did you shoot Greedo or did Greedo shoot <laughs> first? And he says, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and, I believe his uh, exact words were, I don't care. I'm just a replicant. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no one can, 
can see my tears in the rain or whatever that <laughs> really poignant line is. Um, I, I, circling back to your to your point about like Comic Cons, I I feel like there's a level of celebrity who thrive at cons because that's kind of their bread and butter. And yeah. I love those people. Right. So like you, usually a lot of voice actors um, seem, seem to get like a lot of supplemental income and no doubt, like a lot of positive experiences from, from doing cons. Uh, I know like Dante Bosco, the, uh, the, the voice of Prince Zuko and many other things. I believe it's has, Rufio as well. Yes. Plays Rufio. Uh, I think Jake, what Jake, the dragon, I don't know. There, there, there was that show where he turned into a dragon. Um, he, he's like just a road warrior. He, he's always doing cons and he always has like cool things to share on social media about it. But you get to a certain level where it's, it's just an inconvenience and like, you're, you're just picking up the check. Uh, and unfortunately those are also the people who seem to charge a lot to like take a picture with them or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Corey, you've been to any comic cons or cons of any sort? Not. It's one of those things that I like almost want to do, but I have never pulled the trigger because I'm just like a little exhausted just by the concept. Mm. So I'm really relating to this, like, okay, I'm not a celebrity, but I'm really relating to that. Like, I can't even imagine what it would be like to have to go to one of those and talk to, I don't know, maybe a thousand people. I don't know how many, but oh, that's that's too yeah. much. That is a lot. If you if you did go, uh-huh. who would you cosplay as? Okay, see, this is mm. something that I've discussed a lot, and I think <laughs> the only reason that I would go is it would give me so much license to cosplay. Um, I think I could pull off Black Widow, and I think that would be really fun. That'd be great. Um, Oh, I had another one that I was thinking about doing with James, and now it's just like gone from my brain. But yeah, all right. if I was gonna do a, uh, an Avenger, it would be Black Widow. It's a good pick. I I will say this: the friends I was with they they did a spot on Nacho Libre and a spot on Steven, uh, who is his. Uh, companion in the movie and i because i was not in costume i was the picture taker and so i take pictures with them or were you taking pictures of like them taking no they did such a good job people were stopping them every like few minutes and being like oh i gotta get a picture with you guys and then they would hand me the camera because i was the guy with them that didn't have a costume on what a goal, honestly. I, I feel like if I were to go, I'd want to do it that hard. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think that there, there, there's like a cottage industry of, um, like, what, 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 what do they call it when like you're doing drugs and you have someone who's basically babysitting you, like a trip sitter or something? Um, no idea, but that's change approved. Yeah, I, 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 I'm almost certain they're called trip sitters. Like when, when you're doing like heavy psychedelics and you need someone to reassure you that 
your skin's not melting off your bones or whatever. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just kind of there to make sure that everything's very mellow, very chill. Um, I, I, I feel like you could get some, like, get, get people to pay you to go to Comic-Con with them and basically be their handler slash photographer. So they go and buy the $100 picture with Christopher Lloyd and get him to sign their Doc Brown wig. And then you just <laughs> kind of hold on to that for, for the rest of the day so that they can wear their, mm, yeah. uh, their, their uh, you know, dragoness costume or whatever her name is. I'm 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 thinking about that chick who we may have discussed in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, she basically wore like a monokini and a huge green cape. Yeah. Anyway, just something utterly revealing that would be thrown off if you're carrying around a Doc Brown wig all day. Yes, you're thinking of. Uh... Wow, the name escapes me. Dragon something. Oh, but it's isn't that the daughter of um Drax? Drax, yes. Moon Dragon is the Moon one. Dragon. Of course, yeah. So I mean, I yeah, I mean, knowing the the comic book characters of old, you're afraid that it's going to be Monokini is the actual name of that character. <laughs> uh, we'll call you. Sexy bald chick. <laughs> Excelsior. Um, the other anecdote I wanted to share before we get into the meat of the episode is in one of Tom Wilson's vlogs, the actor who plays Biff in Back to the Future, huh? I am seen in that video laughing as he makes fun of my friends in costume. Nice. I can't remember which video it is, but it's in one of his vlogs, and I, I remember my friend who dressed as Nacho, like, spent hours looking for it and finally found it and sent it to us. Well, uh, but before we post this, Ryan will make sure to comb through all of Biff's YouTube videos <laughs> and uh, put that in the show notes. Also, I did in our chat send yeah. the, uh, the, their picture of Nacho and Steven. It's amazing. Yeah, it like it's very well done. They did great. Uh, yeah. Pop on what, over what, to the uh, Speaks Manatee Instagram if you want to see it. Mm. But don't follow uh, me. And, and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that that's just the normal spelling of Speaks Manatee. Um <laughs> what 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 is Nacho's companion's name? I forget. Steven. Steve. Okay, of course, Steven. Um, that is a very thin, thin dude. Yes, they played to the body types for sure. Yeah. Uh, the same friend who is dressed as Steven has suggested to me that for one Halloween I go as Bucky Barnes, and he goes as pre-serum Steve Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> you would actually make a good like war here like coming like, he's in the war he's about to ship off bucky i i feel like i've got to get a little bit more muscle and a little bit more confidence before i can fully pull that off 
but I, I, I appreciate I, that. You don't need a ton of muscle to walk young <laughs> You know? That's like, true. He's a he's not quite at the point he is right now at that point. Bucky like pre pre serum, pre winter soldier, Bucky is strong and brave enough to break up a fight at any bowling alley or dance hall, but not so strong and confident that he's seeking confrontation. And mm, so I, yeah. you know, maybe, I, I, maybe I'm closer to it than I think. Then. <laughs> I, I, I do agree with the latter half that you might need a little more confidence. Fair. But <laughs> you're, you're, you're not lacking in terms of tone. Uh. I've I've heard Charlotte's reports and everything is looking good. Did she send you <laughs> monthly reports, Davis? Yeah. Quarterly. Quarterly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, I I've actually only received one so far, but that's true. Yeah. Ne ne next one's due soon. <laughs> well, shall we get into the topic? <laughs> I, I so I I do have kind of I, we're. We're we're gonna discuss comics, and by the way, we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two this this episode. Um, may, may, maybe cold opens aren't gonna be a, a you know frequent thing because it, I enjoyed it, it. Okay, well then yes, they're 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 gonna be a frequent thing. <laughs> um, it, so we're 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 talking Guardians of the Galaxy, and we're we're gonna dive into the comics. I did very quickly want to give a quick recap on on a comic that I, that I promised to um, debrief on. And that was unbelievable Gwynpool volume one issue 21. And that is because we see the, the full fledged return of Peter Petruski as paste pot Pete <laughs> in unbelievable Gwynpool volume one issue 21. Um, in this, in, in, in in this issue, after a long hiatus from from being paste pot Pete and going by uh, the much less cool moniker Trapster, he is seen walking around uh, New York, stealing a a, a a van full of cash. He runs into Gwynpool and Vincent Dunin, who I guess is like a autonomous or, or, or self-aware uh dr doom robot mm, yes uh yeah Gwyn gwenpool and vincent dunan have been working together and uh paste pot pete actually stops dunan in his tracks with his of course paste pot uh sticks him to the ground but gwenpool maneuvers away and is able to use her fourth wall breaking powers to kick him into the gutter space. So he is literally outside the frame. Um, and then she just kind of assumed that that was the end of that. But unfortunately, Peter Petruski is seen again later in the issue. Um, but he has seemingly abandoned his paste pot Pete moniker and completely forgotten that, that encounter. Uh, he, he just went back to being trapster. So we do hope that that Mr. P uh, Petruski takes on the mantle of Paste Pot Pete once more, but that may be the last that we see of him. Sad. Okay. 
Yeah, you know. I in response to your petition to bring Pacebot Pete, I also want to say bring back Gwenpool. Hasn't had yeah. a series for a few years at this point. She needs to come back. I knew <laughs> I, I I knew nothing about Gwenpool before reading this. I like when when I saw the name, I just assumed that because uh Deadpool and Spider-Man are so tight that perhaps like Spider Gwen suited up as Gwenpool or something. But no, th- this is just someone who was such a big fan of the comics that she one day uh, went from like the quote unquote real world to being sucked into the Marvel universe and started out as a super fan and slowly became a mercenary for hire who just did stuff to get money and doesn't really have. It's actually, she knows that if she is a hero in the comic books, she will not die because she will have her own series and Marvel characters Mm. never die. Point taken. You're exactly right. Great, great Uh, premise. In my opinion, there, there, there was actually, why am I not reading this? What? Why am I not reading this? I recommend it. I actually found out. I I thought the same thing as you, Davis, and I I found out about this in our in the previous workplace that we all worked at together a long time ago, <laughs> with a discussion with our mutual friend Paul Bills, who was like, we were talking about Gwenpool, and I was Ryan, like, yeah, yes. Sorry, it, it 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 may be just me, but Corey, were you able to hear that? Oh wait, R- Ryan, you're recording. Just keep going. Yeah, but it's it's important for you guys to know what I'm saying, I guess. <laughs> I I'm following along, Ryan, and I am here for it. Continue. Yeah, so I when we all worked together many years ago, um, Paul and I had this discussion, and I was like, "Oh, let's look into this character." And I looked into it, and I was like, "Oh, this sounds good. I have to read this." And I did continue to purchase every Gwenpool book available, which at the moment I could say uh, off the top of my head, there's only seven like main series. And one of them is a team book where she's on West coast Avengers. So, and we're talking trade paperbacks. I don't remember issue counts. So there are at least 21. Yeah. If you get on that Marvel unlimited, read, read the whole Gwenpool series. It's worth it. Yeah. baby. Uh, I, 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 I can't remember if this was just in my research about Gwynpool or, or if I read this kind of in my paste pot Pete research, but there, there was a really funny, um, moment where I, I, I guess like Gwynpool was trying to decide who to team up with. And I, I, I think she got an offer to work with Kitty pride and decided that, she would she would do that because she heard that Brian Michael Bendis was going to be writing it and nothing bad would happen to such a cool character in the hands of like this star that this comic book writing star like Brian Michael Bendis. And so she decided to take the job. That's really funny. I I, I thought it was. Quite funny. Um, all right. Back to Guardians of the Galaxy, volume two. <laughs> We, we beginning with it, I would say. 
Very good point. Back to comic book reviews, starting Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, we, we had a couple different things that we read. So uh, first on my reading list is Star-Lord, issues one through three. Uh, th- this is kind of the first appearance, of, first appearance of the Ravagers and where Yondu and Star-Lord meet. Uh, it's... It, it, it's it's a bit of a origin story for for Peter. It, you know what, Ryan, you're giving the review. I'll let you do the review. Yeah, this is a weird one because this is the first appearance of the modern incarnation of Yondu and the Ravagers, right. and it's kind of hard to tell because. It came out before Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, but I believe it came out after the script was already done. And so I'm still not completely clear on what inspired what here. Did I mean, obviously, this version of Yondu is based off the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. But it is a weird coincidence where this is kind of the origin of like Star-Lord meeting Yondu with the Ravagers and there's a lot of that in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 so it kind of seems like one of those things where they're like this is what the movie's about so here's the comic it's based off of but um, essentially this is how Peter uh, gets into space in the comics where his mother's already dead at this point and He's working with or for people from NASA, but like more janitorial type stuff. Um, But they're trying to figure out space travel in a more complex way, how to get places faster and further. And Peter makes some modifications that are dangerous and ends up teleporting himself out into the middle of nowhere. And then he gets picked up by Yondu and the Ravagers, and they're basically thinking of killing him, but then he convinces them that he's smart enough to be on their team and join them. And he kind of wants to leave his life behind on Earth, and so he's kind of ready to to make that jump. And... Yondu kind of takes a liking to him and it also gets into uh, the people who kill his mother and there's a ship that he's trying to like find and get revenge on those those people and Yondu kind of has that intel but is holding it over his head as he tries to uh, get star lord to do his bidding and more and that's only like the first three issues kind of goes over that but it's very good if you like modern comics it's good i say yeah um i, I oh good I, I was just gonna say i i really liked the 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 storytelling like this so i i I came in as a, a as a modern comics reader, right? So that like I I, I don't have the sentimentality or, or or even like muscle reflex of golden age, silver age, bronze age, whatever. 
comics. Um, I like going back to those in, in sometimes, but modern comics really jive with me. But this, like, th- this was a page turner. Th- this was a very easy read, really compelling. I liked the characterization of Yondu and yeah. kind of that 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 unique relationship that that he has with Peter. Did you read the whole thing? I I, I didn't read the whole thing. Um, I think I went through four. Uh, but you're more but knowledgeable I'm, I'm probably, than I. Well, I, I'm I'm probably gonna go back and and finish that out because it was a really um, fun introduction. Also loved how this one kind of combines a little bit more some of the the historic pieces that we've seen of Star Lord Peter Quill. Um, and his history with a little bit more of what they created in the Guardians movie. Because a lot of what we read for, like, the first movie, uh, Peter basically becomes an astronaut. And there's, like, a couple incarnations of that. Um, But he's a lot older when he goes to space. And it's from this long journey of becoming an astronaut. Whereas in this one, he's quite a bit younger. He's still an astronaut. And then he gets picked up by the Ravengers. So it's kind of a, a cool mashup of, of what we've, of kind of the historical pieces combined with more of the modern take from the cinematic version. Yeah. Was it, I, I want to be corrected before someone actually corrects us. He, he wasn't doing much astronauting though. No, no, he, so he basically, I couldn't remember what, if he was janitorial or not. Yeah, janitor. So, like, his mom's friend got him, like, a janitor job, basically. And he was this, like, punk who was like, no, I know how to how to work the alien spaceship. I'm good at this. Everyone is dumb. And then he steals the spaceship. Um, so he's very much not an astronaut. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. I thought I remembered that correctly, but. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I probably said it in a weird way. But I know you like didn't. that. Where it was kind of more that space astronaut vibe, but he was more of a kid who who was just, um, I don't know, feeding, being very Peter. I, I feel like this is kind of the Peter Quill that we see in the beginning of the Guardians movies. Yeah. What do you What do you guys think? Do you feel like this is more inspired by MCU or this inspired MCU? inspired by mcu for sure yeah 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 because i I think just so many of the characters they they took them from the movies i i i i like the idea of like parallel storytelling where Mm. they're clearly the the comics are are influenced by the movies and, and and the mcu but i i also appreciate that they were able to take a few liberties that work better in comic book form and stay true to kind of the more typical tale of, of Peter Quill um, than, than what is told in the movie. It, what, what, whether that's just to kind of pay homage to, uh, to, to the way it's been told before, or if, or if it's just simply like some things work better in comic book form and, and some things work better in the movie. Like, Peter's mother dying because of cancer became kind of a pretty big plot point in this movie, but um, 
what was was not her her ultimate fate in the comics and i don't know if you know uh if 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 it would have been as easy to to tell that in comics or or, or as impactful or if they simply just decided to stick to what had been told before yeah for sure Davis said it all. No, no cool insights from us. Yeah, if you came from for hot commentary based on other people's commentary, or for factually correct statements, you came to the wrong place. <laughs> well said. You know, listen, <laughs> time like good for you. Yeah, listen to what Davis says, and then I'll I will say things like yeah, for sure. <laughs> And I will just laugh. <laughs> you, you, you flatter me. We're, we're, we're only at true. Um, all right. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep rolling. Uh, we, we get the first appearance of Ego, the living planet in the mighty Thor issues 132 and 133. And I believe Corey, you've got our uh, summary on that. Yes. Yes. And here we have our, I think this is the only vintage comic that we read. I believe it there's was one other one. Oh, I didn't read that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, I did. No, I read all the comics this time. Okay. Well, my I, I just like my brain likes to skip over them or combine them because they're not as fun. Except mm. this one, I feel like this one was kind of weird and I liked it. Um, so this, I believe, was released in 90, I mean, yeah, 1966. Um, and in it, we, it's, we have Thor, who battles the Rigelian aliens. Uh, I'm trying to... They're, they're kind of like if robots had a stretch, humanish face on them. Weirdly yeah. enough, like, the way the metal and the face were combined, it was like the face was part of the metal. It was very strange. Yeah, I, I weirdly liked that design, though. And, like, <laughs> I want to see the the modern MCU version of those characters. Ooh, that would be really cool. Um, yeah, so very interesting aliens. It, it felt very 60s aliens. And Thor intercepts them as they come hurtling towards Earth and is like, hey, you need to leave. And they, they put Earth in like this space lock. Um, and so he's kind of fighting against them and they are definitely more of a, a, they think they're a superior, superiorly intelligent life force than Earth. Um, and they have sent this hilarious woman who has, is like, I'm emperor of Earth now. So they just like send her down and, and the police take her. And oh, it was just really, really funny to see her just like walking around. The police thinks she's a crazy person who's just <laughs> in a weird costume. And she's like, I am now your empress. Bow down to me. <laughs> but no one's taking her seriously. She's doing a horrible job at taking over Earth. It's, oh, it's great. Um, and sometime, sometime in the, in the comic, the, the Grand Commissioner tells Thor that there is a bigger threat to the galaxy than, than them. And that is the black galaxy. It's something within the black galaxy. That's a bigger threat. So Thor goes into space and he travels to the black galaxy along with this 
very funny recorder. It's it's a robot that just keeps saying things about the situation. It's almost like they took how they like to put a lot of text on on the little uh, pages, but they have the robot say all the text, and it's it's very funny. Um. Anyway, he goes to the Bioverse in the the Black Galaxy, and we meet Ego, the Living Planet. And this is way more psychedelic than I feel like Ego is in the movie. Um, and Thor battles Ego, and Ego. It, it's it's not like a very satisfying victory. I feel like it was kind of like, oh no, Thor won. And then Ego's like, all right, you won. Now you're banished. You can never come back here, which sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of reminded me, now that I'm thinking of it, of Doctor Strange, where uh, now I can't remember the name. I, I'm so bad at these names. Where Doctor Strange is like, I outsmarted you. And he's like, okay, never come back. I'm going to run away now. It was like that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I could definitely anyway. see that comparison. A very interesting and very different introduction to Ego compared to the movie, but I feel like it was the right kind of vintage comic, where it was fun, it was a little goofy, there was a lot of choices going on, <laughs> <laughs> and there was a lot of things introduced, um, but it felt like all of it wrapped up. Oh, except there was some Jane Foster stuff that, that was starting that we didn't get to see the resolution of, but... Mm, yeah. Yeah, I I feel like ego was it it was kind of eerie how similar this story was melded yeah. into the movie. That's true. Like That's it true. it was basically the exact story except remove the dad element, remove Guardians of the Galaxy and it's he's going to try to take over the universe. We need to destroy him. Also, a little underwhelming that it was just like, I will have a big lightning bolt destroy you. And it worked. Now let's move on to the next episode. Yeah. Well, and also, it, because he didn't really destroy him, it wasn't the same level of destruction True. in the movie. So it was kind of like, I beat you, but you're still existing. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, Plus. Uh huh. Ryan, I, I I think you may be underestimating just how big this lightning bolt was. <laughs> I mean, it was huge. I mean, like, I saw it. And I, so I really shouldn't uh, criticize the, the size of the lightning bolt. It was effective. <laughs> yeah, Jack Kirby, he's known for doing kind of weird cosmic stuff like that. I really liked how it was a little in what I think is seventies or a little psychedelic. Uh, but I realized how close the storyline was until I was watching the movie. I think I forgot a lot about what the movie was, <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, it was, it was very much ego trying to take over the universe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Next up we read, Marvel Superheroes number 18, which is the introduction of the Guardians of the Galaxy, but not the Guardians of the Galaxy we know, 
it's more of the Guardians of the Galaxy portrayed by Sylvester Stallone. And... (laughs) Hey, uh, hey, we're the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) So, in the movie, we have the original Ravagers, and these characters are the original Guardians of the Galaxy when Marvel first presented this team. And so you've got Charlie 27, who's from the planet Jupiter. He uh, was on a, sorry, he was on a mission to uh, free his planet, Jupiter, that we know. And I rescind my apology. Uh, from the Badoon aliens, which we do see in the movies. And so he knows that they're not really going to be able to overcome them. And so he's trying to find help. And he ends up finding Martin X, who is a man made of ice or crystals. I still couldn't really figure that one out. Um, but he's from the planet Pluto. And then they travel to Earth, and they meet Vance Astro, who I do know comes back in later Guardians uh, things. By the way, I forgot to mention, this is all in the year 3000. So this is far future. Um, oh, go ahead, Corey. I was going to say, all of these are humans. So all of the yes. characters are humans, but the evolution of humans during space travel. Yes, and... I will say Vance Astro is from our time. Oh, that's right. But he is wearing a special suit that allows him to travel through time. But if he takes the suit off, the the time in the future will instantly cause him to age a thousand years. But even if punctured, I love that. Yeah. Um. But Vance Astro ends up meeting Yondu, which uh, is a slave of the Badoon aliens, and he ends up escaping. And this is pretty similar to the Yondu we see, except not really as sarcastic or menacing. But he does, this is the first time we see his floating arrow in the comics, where he whistles and makes it move all around. And they all escape, and then they all uh, end up meeting, and then they fight some Badoons, and then they realize, we're a great team. We should keep doing this. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's it's just interesting because in the movie, they kind of bring back these characters in an interesting way. Um with Sylvester Stallone and the We Have the Meats guy. I forget his name from Mission Impossible. What's his name? Oh, uh, is it Debo? No, no I'm sorry. thinking of the other guy. I feel like it starts with a V. Uh, Vin Rains? Yes, that's the one. Boom. Um, but yeah. Interesting cameo. Interesting that the Guardians of the Galaxy went from this iteration to what we have now. And feels more Yondu-centric. That's why we wait. And these characters are in this movie. That's why we didn't talk about them 
in the previous Guardians episode. I I I have two thoughts on these. Uh the first being I'm disappointed at the lack of ethnic diversity in the 31st century. Um, and second off, I wonder <laughs> whether either of you have seen the 1968 Planet of the Apes film. I have. Okay. No. So. Great there, movie. Well, <laughs> what a picture. What a picture. Um, <laughs> I, I had recurring nightmares. Um, because of that one guy who like their their hyperbaric chamber I guess was like an imperfect seal or whatever so when they woke up from uh cryo sleep they're like oh, oh yeah we made it. <laughs> and and then there's that one guy who's just a putrid stinking corpse uh just bones and hair <laughs> and I think maybe a beard <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um yeah th that oh go ahead i i, I was just gonna say I, I i i imagined if if that one guy had his suit rip he would immediately turn into that guy from planet of the apes <laughs> yeah similar feeling but when they reveal the statue of liberty as a child watching that movie it freaked me out so much like i remember just like that biting sense of fear and dread within my heart upon realizing where they had been this whole time. Get your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty apes! <laughs> That's all I have to say about Marvel Superheroes number 18. <laughs> Again, this one had just visually very interesting characters. Yes. Yeah, the man from Jupiter is like basically like wide because of jupiter's gravity so mm. interesting he's so wide and the way he moves and the way they illustrate that movement it's like he's fast and like it's very strange it's yeah, yeah he, it's weird he's a thick boy so this this came out in 1968 do you think people knew jupiter was gaseous at that point yes certainly right I mean, that's what it seems like, but they don't mention how they live on Jupiter, which is what I was oh, thinking of the whole entire time. Brian, do you, do you see the science happening in these? <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like there needs to be logic to how people are living on Jupiter. That's very true. And usually I don't think too much about that. It just... Yeah. For some reason, is the only thing I could think of of like, but how do they step on the atmosphere? My favorite was that this guy um, who was going to be shipped out to where? Where was the red suit guy going? Not Pluto, not Jupiter, a different one. Um, Uranus. Heyo. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I mean, how how, okay. how how many times in my adult life will I will, will I have something teed up quite that well? I of course we have to mention that some people for some reason thought it was better to call it Uranus, <laughs> which I think is equally as bad. Equally, yeah. yes, it's so dumb. Anyway, 
this this man who they're shooting out into space for a thousand years to reach a planet to then go colonize it. I love how he's on ice. They're just packing him in ice. How is the ice staying cold, you might ask? Who knows? For a thousand years. So they're packing him in ice in like a little coffin. And they take out all his blood and replace it with a weird fluid to preserve him. So he has no blood. And he's on ice that's going to last for a thousand years. Just and, and Ryan is worried about how Jupiter is gaseous. All right. I get it. It's not it's not something I need to worry about. I will dismiss that. No, no, oh, oh. I just I love that that's what you lashed on to. <laughs> I was just so confused about the blood transfusion. Uh, okay. In Ryan's defense, <laughs> Jupiter was discovered in the year 1610 by Galile- Galileo Galilei, but we did not know until the ripe old years of the 1690s that it was a gas giant because wow. Giovanni Cassini ob- observed Jupiter's dif- differential rotation, thus showing that it could not be solid. So, I, I mean, I-, I don't know if the writers here were working with the most current data. <laughs> this, this is pre-internet, and those encyclopedias take a long time to get updated. So true. That's fair. Next up. I feel a lot better now. Good. <laughs> All right. So now we're on to Avengers number 112. Um, Ryan, are you are you taking this one? Um, I, I feel like it's... All you really have to say is that there are three panels with Mantis in it. <laughs> and she looks like a normal woman. No yeah. antlers. And you don't really know. She just says like... Ah, Mantis wonders about this, about Hawkeye leaving the Avengers or something like that. And so one one of the things that I've noticed about Mantis in both some of the comics that I've come across and and especially in the Guardians of the, of the Galaxy video game is that Mantis is almost like a like a soothsayer um, in, in, in the sense that like, I, I believe that she has those powers of perception and, and perhaps persuasion that, that we see in the movies. But one of the biggest things that I've seen uh, that, that isn't touched on the movie on by the movies at all is that basically like past, present and future are almost all the same to her. And, and, and she can kind of see branching realities um and and how things might turn out under any certain set of circumstances so um unfortunately she did not have enough time in this comic to really shine and (laughs) lay out some of those powers but it is the first time we see her in the comics though (laughs) hello everyone my name is mantis i know i've only got three panels so i'll try and be brief uh, but I've got a lot of cool powers that I can't wait for you all to learn about. Yeah, and when we come up with these lists, I always like to have the first appearance of the characters introduced in the movies as well Um, that we kind of look at, but 
it is important for us to like it i had to read the ego comic to make sure oh wait ego only appears at the very end so we need to read the next one (laughs) (laughs) and this is similar with mantis but i don't know i i feel like it's just worth noting that mantis is a cool character and if we had all the time in the world we would follow her entire fictional character biography but it's interesting that she she starts as kind of a all-knowing fortune teller type of person to more empath bug lady yes well said um <laughs> oh, beautiful I- I, I, I'm 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 not trying to be pedantic. I just don't have anything to add. Yeah, she, fair. she's she's pretty cool, um, and I I I do really enjoy these first appearances. Not not the least of which because sometimes you think you're reading about Doctor Strange and oh, you're. You're seeing Johnny Storm and Pace Pot Pete lock horns, <laughs> and you don't realize until after you read that that it's kind of like a double issue thing. All right, on to the final comic for uh, for for this segment, and that is kind of more generally talking about the 2013 arc by Brian Michael Bendis for Guardians of the Galaxy. So. In this, uh, we 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 get Guardians zero point one, which, uh, in my experience, pretty much every time we get like a zero point something, it's it's kind of a kind of a what? Well, it looks like I have lost connection with Corey and Davis, but. I am the one recording, which always leaves me in the awkward position to fill time. At least I fill time. Oh, there they are again. I lost both of you. Oh, okay. Uh, And so you will have to go back to (laughs) what you're saying in order for neither of us to are. Yeah. None of us do have to edit this. (laughs) Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to go back. Should, should I just start clean or where, where would you like me to pick up from? Um, yeah, just start with 0.1. You, you were sort of mentioning what you felt 0.1 issues always were. Hmm. Yes. Okay. So oftentimes in my experience, when we get these 0.1s, they, they, they are either straight up origin stories or at least kind of a prelude to the main story that's, that's going to be told, um, in, in the following issues in, in this, in this instance, it's a little bit of both. We we learn about Peter Quill's upbringing as this this hayseed from the Midwest, uh, brought up by a single mother, who's who's doing her best to uh, to to raise a growing and increasingly rebellious young boy. Uh, he always has his nose in the comic books, kind of seems to resent the fact that he doesn't have a father figure, but uh, his, his, his mother's doing the best that she can. And Peter is someone who we see doesn't, 
injustice d- doesn't always sit well with him. And, and so he, you know, of course, took on the, the, the schoolyard bully and and got scraped up and, and, and is headed home trying to explain to his mom what what's going on when there's a flash of light and there is a um, squadron badoons who who come in um and unfortunately kill peter's mother almost instantly and and start to ransack the house looking for uh, lo- looking for anyone else that that's living there because they the badoons the sworn enemies of the spartax are trying to kill the bloodline of jason or jason uh but it's j apostrophe s-o-n um he is the 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 ruler of the spartax and um peter learns kind of in one fell swoop as his mother is being killed, that all of those stories that he'd been told his whole life about his father um, were true. And he also finds a an, an elemental gun that was left behind by Jason as as kind of a, a memento or keepsake of his time with with Peter's mother. So he um, he takes that um, and they 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 kind of yada 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 the uh the time between him being in that incredibly traumatic moment and and kind of becoming peter quill star lord but uh we 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 get enough to know that he is now looking for his mother's killers and he does not have a very cozy relationship with his father jason uh in in issue 1 we we see jason kind of seek out Peter Quill and tells him, hey, I've been talking with the Galactic Council and we've decided that in order for Earth to have a chance of evolving to the point where they can kind of be a player in the galactic space, we need to leave them alone so so that they can grow and develop. Uh, and, and, and he said, Peter, I, I know this is hard for you because you're from there, but you you can't visit Earth. Peter sees through this with the help of the other guardians as kind of a ploy by, by Jason, not only to bait uh, star Lord into going back to earth, but, but also putting a target on the back of, of the planet earth of any of Spartax's enemies. Uh, in, in, in essence, Jason is saying, if, if you won't come home to Spartax and kind of, take your take your role as the heir apparent to the throne um you and earth can can just you know go go the way of the world and 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 get obliterated and this sets off a a series of attacks that leads to the guardians teaming up with not only tony stark from the avengers but also um the the x-men as they try to protect the 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 fate of earth and uh it it sets up for a crossover event called the black vortex which is outside the scope of this but um pretty interesting and long story short uh star lord does eventually kind of have a decision to make as to whether he will take the throne uh in in spartax and fulfill his 
his duty as an heir uh, or if he will continue to be the leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy. So that's that. Good dad stuff there. Yeah. I mean, basically, we we're, we're, we're getting that kind of dysfunctional daddy issue stuff that is uh, shown quite well in, in this movie guardians too. So yeah, yeah it's, it, it, it's, it's interesting. I, I like the storytelling in this. Um, it is a little bit layered just in the sense that, there, there, there were a few things that come before this to kind of set the stage, explain why Iron Man was out in deep space. Um, and, and, and again, leading into that crossover with the X-Men, it can get a little bit hairy for people who want a more linear reading experience, but it is a really good um, story. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's a lot of fun to, to see the Guardians interact and kind of have that rapport. And then again, for Star Lord to grapple with his, uh, with 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 his lineage and his so-called birthright. Yeah. All right, and then with that, I, I guess just to kind of put a bow on this segment, Corey, you you recommended um, maybe just suggesting any of these issues that we think maybe more casual comic book readers would would enjoy, uh, and so I'll. I guess just kind of turn it over to you or Ryan if if you felt like any of these would be worth seeking out and and reading maybe as as a supplement to to the viewing of this movie. Yes. Take it um, away, Corey. Can you hear me? Yes, okay. we can hear you. Okay, I was just like I feel like my mic's on the fritz. Anyway, okay, before I do that, really quick, I just want to say my favorite part of that comic issue that Davis was just talking about was that Star-Lord. Um, I like that the Star-Lord is a title. It's because he is a Lord and his father is a mm, king. Yeah. I just thought that was so clever <laughs> and I really like how they tied that in. Um, I also love just how shockingly evil his father is. Because I, I think you also get just such a great reveal in the movie about how evil his dad is and... I love right. that no matter what version, he's just so evil. But it's always presented at the beginning of like, this guy's all right. Yes, yes. He's like see, sneaky evil. Um, okay. Sneakle. Sneakle. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so of these comics, yes, I was really interested to know, because I, I think that a lot of people that listen to this just are not are casual or maybe are not regular comic readers so i think you know people that are interested in mcu what's worth it or what of these would you recommend to someone that that maybe doesn't read a lot of comics so what of these that go to the movie would you say you should read this if you enjoy this movie or want to prep for the movie i'm I Oh, Corey, go ahead. Are we all going to say The Guardians of the Galaxy by Brian Michael Bendis <laughs> at the same time? I, I was in between that one and now I've, I'm so bad at the names of these things. People are going to, oh, Star-Lord. Star-Lord. I really like Star-Lord. Yeah. That, I, I, 
I, I was going to push for Star-Lord just because I think that that's a more linear story that, that's being told. I, I know, um, I mean, I'm I'm still not like a veteran comic book reader, but when, when I was Davis, first... That reading, is not true. <laughs> you read more I, comics than any person I know. <laughs> <laughs> is that a surprise, Davis? <laughs> that's a huge surprise. Um I, well, okay. How about this? I've I've been working to to make up for what you know what 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 I missed out on for the first seven eighths <laughs> of my life. Got um, it. I'm eight years old, by the way. <laughs> uh, so I I I I I was just a little like turned off or intimidated by anything where I can't just buy a trade paperback that. That's like, okay, here's the story. Boom. Yeah. Um, And I suspect that you'd be able to get a Star Lord trade paperback that that kind of tells at least the first part of this without having to do much, uh, much extracurricular reading. But um, I also really enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy and plan to continue reading that. So can't go wrong. Yeah, I I mean it it's obvious to say this but I feel like if you like history books and like to read things in a more historical perspective that's when you go and say I want to read the first time that Ego the Living Planet came down but if you're just getting into comics I say do a month of Marvel Unlimited and anything past like mid 2000s, you're probably safe. Agreed. But if you read a lot of comics, I I think some people from reviews I was reading, some people are kind of down on this modern Guardians of the Galaxy run by Bendis. But I also wonder if it's similar to Brian Michael Bendis has written so much stuff that people just kind of get sick of that in general when they've read all of his stuff. And I, I feel like Taika Waititi is facing something similar right now where and it, it could be that they make so much stuff and so they're it's kind of starting to lack or you get used to their writing style. Right. And now you're it's not as novel as it once was. And so I don't understand. I I feel like if you like something, why do you, I don't know. It's maybe because I love Taika and I reread the same books all the time. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that though. I, I, I'm just theorizing on why people would not like guardians of the galaxy by Brian Michael Bendis when I myself enjoyed it very much. So I, I, oh, go, go, go ahead. I I was just going to say solid recommendations for everyone that also span basically everything we read. So you just, you can't go wrong. (laughs) And I, I I do enjoy here and there going to these old comics, but I, I have to pace myself when I do so. I feel like I love to hate them. (laughs) I I, I would not read them if we weren't talking about them, Mm -hmm. but I, I love bashing them. Yeah. 
there there there's a certain level of like charm uh that 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 I get from reading the very old comics kind of in the same way that um gee, I don't know, like in 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 the same way that if there is like a place that serves hand churned ice cream or something i'm 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 willing to pay a little bit more just for the the rustic charm of that experience uh but as as it relates to like my personal reading i'm i'm not picking up very many like early early comics mm-hmm. sorry i think you were interrupted multiple times davis oh it's all right what were you going to say um, I I I I was basically just saying that I enjoy the the charm of of old comics and even though I I I don't read them for pleasure very much most of the like fun things that happen in our group chat are based on the the really old uh, comics and so. Yeah, you know, ha- having having a steady diet of both is nice. Yeah, and I think I I have a weird goal where I would like to own a trade paper paperback collection and eventually get every single issue of the Amazing Spider Man just for completionist sake. That is a goal. <laughs> I know. About that. How does Charlotte feel about that? Where did I get Catherine from? <laughs> I, I, wow. Okay, how does Charlotte feel about that? And not the ghost Catherine that lives in your home. Yeah, ghost Catherine, I think, could care less about what I purchase. Yeah, yeah. Charlotte, I don't know. She doesn't, like, I've mentioned this to her before, but. I think she assumes that it's not going to get in the way of like us eating or anything. So she hasn't said like, you can't do that or anything like that. Thanks. Okay. I love it. (laughs) Or I guess she would never say you can't do that, but she has never said, please don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, because of your goal, every time that I'm at a comic book store or looking for comics, I'll check. Well, to see if they have Spider-Man Brand New Day, the complete collection, volume three. They never will. I can guarantee you that they never will. Um, And I've already looked into, I think if I continue, that's what the problem I've run into is I've started Spider-Man in various eras and you eventually get to the point where they don't really print the book anymore that continues the story. Right. And so for Brand New Day Volume 3 Complete Collection, I think I have to get the original trade paperbacks that came out if I want to continue to do this. Because I did the same thing with Superior Spider-Man Complete Collection Volume 2, another one that was hard to get, and so I just bought the three trade paperbacks that comprise the Complete Collection, and it worked out. The numbers right. on my bookshelf don't align, but I'll just have to live with that. It, it, the hardship. I mean, it, it is <laughs> like in in Ryan's defense, it is annoying. 
a great defense, a true lawyer's defense. <laughs> your, your, your honor, I think you fail to see how annoying this is. <laughs> I rest my case. But anyways, I don't remember why I brought that up. Oh, but I, I enjoy when I buy like a Marvel epic collection of Spider-Man and I see like it, like, oh, this is what they constantly reference in the modern comics. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Like it. And Spider-Man is especially a good example because they reference key moments over and over and over again. And like retcon things that are upsetting is there anything specific that you're really mad about? Oh, well, no. you know what, Ryan, don't get me down this track. We need to talk about a movie. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the movie. Uh, okay. Well, um, as you know, we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. This is directed by James Gunn. Uh, it came out in May of 2017. Quick synopsis, Peter Quill and his fellow Guardians are hired by a powerful alien race, the Sovereign, to protect their precious batteries from invaders. When it is discovered that Rocket has stolen the items they were sent to guard, the Sovereign dispatched their armada to search for vengeance. As the Guardians try to escape, the mystery of Peter's parentage is revealed. Um, I would love for you all to share your thoughts on, 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 on the movie as a whole and then kind of how you felt it mapped on to what you've seen and heard about um guardians from the comics davis do you not like this movie i love this movie so much okay which is why i want to give you all a chance <laughs> to share your thoughts uh, i'm in a while we're sharing thoughts i'm gonna throw an image in the chat specifically for Corey. Okay. Uh, I downloaded the wrong file, so I need to... Okay, while you're doing that... Yeah. I, I think my overarching thought is I remember this not being a favorite of mine, and I think when I saw the original Guardians, I really liked the humor and the music... And I remember the second one just having a, a very different vibe and not liking it as much. And I feel like this time I was in the right mood for that different vibe. And I really liked it. I loved all of like the emotional pieces, the father, the sister, all of, because I think this one, it takes a much more mature or like growth version of all the characters. And it's lots less funny for me. I don't know. <laughs> I uh, like this movie and I think it is better than the first Guardians. Ooh. But different also enough where um I don't know. It's in some ways I think it's a lot better and then in other ways I kind of like the fun origin story of the first Guardians. Yeah. But I do remember the day I saw this in the theater. And I remember the opening scene with Baby Groot dancing. 
and well, I was like, oh, great. People love dancing Baby Groot, and now they're doing this, like, cutesy, like, oh, it's the Baby Groot show. Like, everybody's just, like, here for, like, they're just cashing in on what was popular in the last ones. It's not going to be a great movie. And then it slowly won won me over the more the movie went went on. And, And I now like the Baby Groot dancing fight scene. Um, but i i think it must have been an off day for me but even it being an off day it was uh it won me over because it was a good enough uh good enough movie all right Corey, i've now put an image in the chat didn't no, Mike, Michael Rosenbaum was that guy. Yeah, isn't that weird? <laughs> Michael Rosenbaum, who plays Lex Luthor in Smallville, is Martin X in the movie. Thank you. I, I was like, who who is Michael Rosenbaum? <laughs> I mean, I, I recognize he has hair in this picture, so it's, you know, throwing you off because you were a huge Smallville person, and that was all of your high school experience, and you were a giant nerd. Um, <laughs> But come on, to not know Lex Luthor. Are you talking about me? Yes, you. I'm teasing you. <laughs> oh, I was so I like was sexually active and had tons of friends and so made a bunch of sports. I don't know why you starting with sexually active. I just like <laughs> like I blew up the mic. I laughed way too hard at that. I apologize to high school David. Nothing nothing cooler than a grown man being like, no, I was a sexually active young teen. <laughs> um, okay, just to get the ball rolling, yeah. I got to tell I'm going to, oh, we could wait to talk about this, but I'm just going to throw it out there. I have, I have not made an official decision. But this movie could possibly contain my favorite joke in the entire MCU. What is it? Hmm. Do you have any guesses, Davis? Your favorite joke in yes. the MCU. I, I don't think I've seen this movie since I saw it in theaters. So it was delightful watching it again. But I guarantee you I laughed just as hard or harder upon hearing this joke again. I... So... There... There there is one joke that got a lot of play, like, when, when it was in theaters. It's probably the same one. Because... Was, was, was it the Mary Poppins joke? It is the Mary Poppins joke. Okay. The yes. He's floating it down... Star-Lord sees him and laughs and says, you look like Mary Poppins. Yondu <laughs> sincerely asks, is he cool? Star-Lord feeling sort of embarrassed to be making fun of him in that moment replies seriously and says, yeah, he's cool. And Yondu excitedly yells to everybody, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. It is such a well-executed joke, and 
is so funny to me. And even though it did get a lot of play after and I saw t-shirts with Yondu floating that said, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all, out in the wild. It's such a good joke. It's so funny. I, 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 I don't think you need to apologize for, <laughs> for liking that joke. I mean, it, it's, I, I, I knew it was coming. I've heard it who knows how many times. And I, I, it's still a hearty laugh. <laughs> yeah. I now feel like I want to start tracking like everyone's favorite jokes. But especially, I... Ryan, you telling that joke in such a like, script reading way like it felt like you were reading like the stage notations or something <laughs> that was almost funnier to me because the picture as you're oh my god I really liked it i i struggle to f- think of a moment that is funnier to me in the mcu maybe i could contest for ant-man eating his taco and the helicopter blowing everything out onto him which also oh. got a hearty laugh from me in the theater Wait, wait, what? <laughs> that was an end game. What, what, um, just speaking of Ant-Man, what, what, what's the joke? Like, uh, like Baskin Robbins always finds out. Oh yeah. Something. That's, that's a really good joke too. Yeah. I love that <laughs> Why do I love that one so much? I feel like Yelena has my favorite joke. It, it, it is, it, is it the, about like the vest that has the pockets? Yes, just. I just like that hits me on such a visceral level <laughs> that it's like so real that it's so funny. Can I can, can I just take a brief moment to pat myself on the back for just bing 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 uh getting all these right. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing great. Um Yeah, I'll have to think about it more, but there are a lot of good jokes in the MCU, but I don't know, there's something about this one that is just so perfect to me that I, I don't know. I need to mention how good it is. And if I think of one that's funnier, I'll, I'll let you guys know. If, if, if any of our listeners want to uh, send us an email at cinematic.comicverse at gmail.com and have me guess what their favorite joke from the MCU is, I'd be happy to do so. (laughs) I feel like, and I bet I'll get it right. I feel like the person <laughs> tell you like three facts about themselves and then you guess. Sure. Or are you just going to do it cold? Like you just have your I, email address. I mean, admittedly, it would be really nice for them to tell me at least like what their favorite movie what, or, or, or like what the movie it's from is. Uh, but uh, assuming that anyone even takes us up on this offer... They they can be as specific or as vague as they'd like, but I I have a better feeling about me getting it right if they give me, you know, a little to work with. Yeah. Um I lo- just looked up a list of the 18 best jokes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. Uh this is from fatherly.com. And I feel like whoever wrote this also probably really loves family guy okay and i don't know this is more of like if i was in junior high these would be the jokes that i would cling on to oh no what are the jokes i don't even want to 
<laughs> All right, <it's laughs> I want to get into it. Okay. Yes, we have a movie to talk about. That's true. <laughs> not doing this with our very limited time. True. Um, Davis, go- I feel like you had a lot to say. Please, please start saying it. Whew, all right. I'll, I'll I'll try not to unload the clip right now, but I am known to not always be very brief. Um, I we love it. I've 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 planned for four more hours of talking guardians. Like Davis, I I did not know about that about you. What? No. I know. Uh, yeah, and 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 any of our listeners, their eyes are now stuck in the back of their heads from how far they rolled back. Um, I. Th- this is, to me as close to a perfect comic book movie as, 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 as I think you, you might be able to get. And I've never said it like that. And immediately I'm thinking of hedging because when I think of perfect comic book movies, I think of like Iron Man one and dark Knight. Um, but this occupies a totally different space, but in my mind is is just as competent. Um, bo- both of you mentioned the emotional depth of this movie, which I think just takes it to a completely different level and makes it more rewatchable and more fun for me than the original Guardians movie. Um, Guardians, admittedly, is probably my favorite like sub franchise in the Marvel universe, and so I'm I'm trying to take into account my bias as I as I rate this. But the thing that makes this movie so great for me is the fact that we we get secondary characters to act as foils for each of the members of the guardians of the galaxy, except for baby Groot who just gets to be cute. Um, Rocket has a perfect foil in Yondu, someone who has spent most of his life squandering his, his, his most important relationships and, living the 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 second half of his life to regret those decisions that that caused him to push those that he loved away um and we we see rocket kind of in the midst of doing those things that that pushes people away and yondu visits almost as like the the the, the ghost of christmas future to to try and warn him uh from going down that path not only does that teach us about Rocket, but it it adds a layer of emotional depth to Yondu. And Michael Rooker, by the way, I think knocked it out of the park in this movie. He did such a good job bringing that balance of humor and emotional depth to the to the character of Yondu. And not for nothing, when he was in that brothel and he had his shirt off, that dude, like he he's not traditionally strong, but he looked Stacked. I mean, you could break a board over his uh, abs. He his core was toyed. Davis, um, I was yes. really worried that we were not going to have a moment where you objectified a man's body, and I'm just 
really happy <laughs> that you brought us there. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I saw Chris Pratt trying to kind of show off the, the skinny ripped, but also mm-hmm. building a little muscle when, when, when he changed into his long sleeve t-shirt, but we're not going to gratify the obvious thirst traps on this podcast. <laughs> we're going to give it to the blue guy who just finished up at the robot brothel. Um, <laughs> I, okay. I do want to mention yeah. off of that. I feel like James Gunn, especially in the guardians of the galaxy movies, is very good at taking characters and adapting them to film. And yeah. s- still, like, he's not, l- like, he's not looking at Yondu in the Guardians of the Galaxy from 1968 and being like, we need to have him exactly like this. Or we need to do his exact story where he used to be enslaved by the Badoon. But he's really good at, like, saying what's a modern version of Yondu look like and what do modern versions of these characters look like and once they're they've been established like how do these new versions of the characters interact with each other without right but he still like finds that balance of like oh we'll we'll take ego and make him Star-Lord's father even though that's not in the comics at all I'm taking a traditional version of Ego and adapting him to what if he was Star-Lord's father. And I think it's re- he does such a good job and it's really fun all the time. Right. Yeah, well, well said. And, and like hearing you say that, it, it's it's interesting to me to think about the projects that James Gunn has undertaken. Anytime that he is adapting existing IP... I'm speaking specifically about the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise and then the Suicide Squad and its subsequent spinoff with Peacemaker. I mean, he knocks it out of the park, like just kills it. I am far less interested in his original ideas that are put on screen. Um, (laughs) Brightburn was never going to be a movie for me, but it seems that that was not as well received or as uh, creative as fans of that subgenre probably would have hoped. I so, rented it and it was too much for me and so I stopped maybe like 20 minutes in and took okay. it back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, con- congrats on getting 20 minutes in. Uh <laughs> I, I I watched the trailer once and was like, yep, that nope, that's that's it for me. Just Good luck, James just to remind myself that is the like what if Superman and the Justice League were like evil demons movie, right? Yeah. So from what I took from the parts of the trailer that I watched through my eyelid or my, my fingers rather. um, Yeah. It's, it's basically like, what if Superman was like a sociopath who was one of those kids who like tortured animals or whatever. That's right. I, I do mix up that title with, the Will Smith movie that came out, like what if fantasy and was also part of Oh modern right. day. Yeah. It was just called Bright. Yeah, I always yeah. mix those two up. No, why 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 wouldn't you? They they came out around <laughs> the same time. Um but yes, it, it, anyway, I, I I love, love, love James Gunn when he is adapting 
existing IP. And, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head. He's so great at honoring the, the source material while, while giving himself the, the, the creative liberty to make it work. Um, and, and, and like I said, rocket and Yondu is, is one example, but, uh, Gamora has, um, has, has Nebula, Peter has ego and Drax and Mantis kind of these two people who, who live on an Island socially who are, um, like part of the group, but not really part of the group. Um, they, they, they just all have the, these people that they can interact with and, and, and reflect with and kind of analyze the, the way that they have been acting and, and make those changes. It's so emotionally resonant. There were multiple times where I felt that tickle in my nose, uh, and, you know, got just the, 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 the beginnings of, of misty eyes. Um, and just one more thing that I want to shout out. Oh, two things. Number one, Drax killed it. D- Dave Bautista is so great in this. Um, I, I I love when Drax has more room to work, uh, just as like a comedic actor. My my only hope is that he is that they don't like jump the shark and make him a bumbling idiot because he is still Drax the Destroyer and strikes fear in the hearts of men. And then last thought, the the soundtracks to all of these are incredible. I do think that the soundtrack to Guardians 2 may even surpass the soundtrack to Guardians 1. I 100% agree with that, actually. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. And I agree with it. I think it it could have something to do with Guardians 1 soundtrack was on everyone's phone. Sure. When the first movie came out. And I feel like this one has just as good of songs, but it didn't go through the the loop as much. And so when I hear the song, it still feels fresh to me. Say there were also songs that I feel like were more a part of my childhood mm. or just felt a lot more nostalgic to me. I was singing along to a shocking number of them. <laughs> um, oh, okay. I want to pause our wonderful recap. I have questions. I feel like I want to know one who would you marry from this cast? Uh, this Gamora. is based on the brothel. <laughs> would love to know if it's Yondu. And two, who do you want to be your best friend? Hmm. That's those are both tough questions. Yes. I would probably fly to Earth and meet my current wife. No. Sorry, oh, that is my come answer. Yeesh. Ryan, no, boring. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been married forever. <laughs> hmm. I, I, I may have been too hasty in saying Gamora. It's not a bad answer at all, but having Mantis as a spouse who can just make me fall asleep whenever I want would also be a pretty big win. It has been so long since I said something with no response that I fear 
that I may have been disconnected. No, you're not. I'm I'm thinking really hard about who I just don't feel like there's anyone in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies for me. I'm just going to assign you someone if you can't figure someone out. Well, that's fine. I'll I'll think about it, but I w- okay. I wish there was a female ego as a straight person. You could marry ego. I guess yeah, he he probably decided to make himself male because he chose what his representation was. And he's got a penis. We know that. (laughs) That's true. That is a a part of the uh... like he could he could become a woman. That's kind of like a non-binary character. Or or just David Hasselhoff. I mean, you've got some good options of what's already on the table. That's true. I mean, for best friend, mm-hmm. I runner up. Okay. Not best friend. I think he would get annoying quick. But I would want like an acquaintance or just kind of like casual friendship out of Howard the Duck. <laughs> I just feel like he would be an interesting hang in like a party setting. He would be the guy I would want to talk to. At the party, most. Okay. Okay. What? 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 What was he saying on that planet? Like once, once you go, you go quack, d- you never duck, go back. Yeah, something like that. Once you go duck, you never. I I, I don't know how to finish that without being profane. Um. Anyway. I will see if I can find it. Oh, you're out of luck. Until uh, you've gone duck. Love there it. it is. Love it. Of course. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I want to say Baby Groot probably. That's my best friend. I one hundred percent want Baby Groot. Hmm. I also just feel like all Groot phases are like best friend material. Yeah, Groot is pretty good. I, I like teenage Groot. <laughs> Sounds like you've forgotten about your teen years, Davis. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it's it, it's one of those things. I I don't like the mirror held, you know, held in front ah. of my face. <laughs> you probably didn't like Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix either then. No, I was too sexually active at that time to see that movie. <laughs> uh, well, um, of course, I was referring to the book and not the movie. Um. Okay. I'll I'll pick Gamora. We're gonna wrestle, and then um, best friend. Wait, why am I the only one who's picking spouse and everyone else is just saying friends? Anyway. Yeah, it, it sounds like you have an answer, Corey. I no, I I don't. Um, I feel like it's between Yondu and Gamora for spouse, and then best friend is Groot, maybe Rocket. I feel like that one's okay. I'm not good at choosing. This is why I was like, I don't actually have an answer. I just wanted to hear everyone else's. I see. Well, for that reason, you are consigned to Taserface. No. Uh, oh, gross. Oh. <laughs> I can't even get Michael Rosenbaum with his weird glasses. 
I'm 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 considering changing my answer from Gamora to the leader of the Sovereign, but she's so condescending. Mm. Okay, I, I'm I'm gonna stop leering at uh, characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, <laughs> and 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 just go back to friend. Okay. Um, I might pick Mantis. Oh. Pro- pro- probably Mantis or Drax. I, I I just think that they're both so earnest, mm-hmm. and I was thinking Drax too. He would be he'd be a good hang. I I just I I couldn't handle Rocket. Like he would be. He would be a great person that I could call and have like an employee employer relationship with, <laughs> uh, even though he might steal my stuff. But uh, yeah, he, he's just too brash. I'm, I'm, I'm not confrontational enough to have a good working relationship with Rocket. Um, do you guys want to hear some trivia? Of course. So, Ego the Living Planet at this time was owned by Fox. And James Gunn wanted, he suggested the idea that Ego would be Star-Lord's father. But um, he was trying to uh, think of someone else but couldn't think of anyone. And so he went to Fox and said, can I use Ego? And they struck a deal where Fox gave Marvel Ego back if they could have more freedom over the Negasonic Teenage Warhead character in Deadpool. So the little tradesies, I guess there was some weird mutant mutants had weird rights when Fox was not owned by Disney where like they had some, they didn't have others. And that was one of them. Apparently that is like a classic. Like, 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 like in, in the NBA or the NFL, right before the trade deadline, there, there, there will be like a flurry of trades. And, and, and so, sometimes you'll hear that like some veteran role player is being traded to, uh, to some team for a first round pick and a player to be named later. And this feels like one of those deals where like kind of a win-win both, both parties get what they wanted, but it, it it's, it's not going to like make the, the top headline on any publication that <laughs> ego, the living planet and Negasonic teenage warhead have, have 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 traded uh ip parents yeah um also baby groot the dance scene at the beginning that was choreographed and the motion capture was also provided by james gunn so that's james gunn dancing i'm i'm if if i remember correctly he was there during the fight with that extra dimensional beast too. So he kind of put himself in harm's way to, uh, to make that. Happen. Yeah. <laughs> he, he kept telling them to hold so they could get a better shot. <laughs> uh, um, there's one. Oh yeah. Ego 
one trillion polygons. At the time, it was the biggest visual effect ever made. And I also want to read this bit of trivia, which makes me feel insanely old because the person who wrote this is clearly younger than I am. Okay. The Zune that Kraglin gives to Quill towards the end of the film was a type of digital music player made by Microsoft between 2006 and 2011. It was later discontinued because of poor sales compared to the iPod and other digital music players, and was never something that everybody's listening to on Earth. Just the way it's written, as if they yeah. had never if were reading about the Zune in a history book. I, I, I was going to say, they, they, they wrote that as though it were a historical artifact, which means that the joke sailed completely over their head. Yeah. <laughs> Also, I felt bad that that particular Zune only had 300 songs. I mean, did, <laughs> yeah. couldn't you get like 2,000 on one? Like, I think you could. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I had an uncle who insisted that the Zune was better than the iPod. Oh my gosh, I had that friend. <laughs> it, it was Ryan's uncle. <laughs> yes, yes, the grown man that I was friends with. <laughs> Um, I, 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 I guess like there are very few things that I would have changed about this movie. Um, I'm, I'm curious, like what, 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 what were some of the things that may have dinged it for, for you all? It's for me, it's not necessarily dings. And it's more, I, I guess, Star Lord is less compelling in this movie to me. There's less focus on him, and when sure. there is focus, it's more he's brooding. And there's like there's not as much like camaraderie that they developed in the first movie, and they kind of backtrack on. Star-Lord and Gamora being a thing. And he, like, makes an advance in this movie, but it's not really, like, a significant step forward. And then at the end, she's just like, I guess I he's the best I could do. And then they hold hands, and then that's the basis for their relationship we see in Infinity War. Which, obviously, time passes, and you can fill in the blanks. But I I just feel like because they separate everybody, it's not as, like... I don't feel like they're as connected, ex except in the beginning scene. And they do kind of move things forward with Yondu and, and Peter. Right. All, all, all completely fair. But it, it like that being said, none of it is like bad. Like it's still a fun movie, and I am like I do think this one is better than the first one in a lot of ways. But that is the one thing that I kind of miss is they spent the whole last movie kind of like fighting each other and 
coming together reluctantly, but like learning that they like each other. And then we see that at the beginning and then it's completely undone. Yeah. I buy it. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to go on another tangent where I, I feel like the, the Gamora and Nebula portions were, I feel like they could have been done more. And I think that actually may go to how they split everyone up a lot, which also felt like because there were so many characters, all of the, the side plots felt a little rushed and not. Uh, I think the ones that were really good are Peter and his dad and then Yondu with that and then Yondu and Rocket. Like those are really solid. And then I felt like the other two sides and also, honestly, the love interest, now that I'm thinking about it, all of those felt really rushed. Like, they, they shoved a lot into this movie. Um, again, I don't think it's a bad movie. I don't think they did it. Like, overall, it's good. I, I feel like it's not a bad movie. It's way too soft. For how much <laughs> I like. um, but that, that was just like, uh, I wish that had been more. I wish they had, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I... I do want to say I think Drax is funnier in this movie than in the first one. And it's interesting that they kind of abandon the his literal takes on everything. Right. Which was really funny in the first movie, but I don't know. That that, that is my only fear uh it, it is that they will kind of continue to change Drax's personality to suit the the humor that, mm. that, that he brings with with each iteration of the Guardians. Um I I call that the Kevin from the office effect. Yes, you 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 pointed that out to me and, and now I see it in a lot of things. Uh speaking of Chris Pratt, the the Andy Dwyer effect is, mm, is yes. So yeah. Um, all right. Well, I was going to systematically dismantle all of your criticisms of the movie, <laughs> but we're running a little short on time. So I, I, I will just say point well taken. Um, I quit. Let's do some quick fire thoughts. Yeah. I just uh, to get them all out of the way. And I just want to start with it. This is one of the movies where I'm still floored by how they could make an actor like Kurt Russell look like a young man. Ooh, yeah. uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was so weird thinking about the fact like this is Kurt Russell driving in a car with some 23-year-old woman. Yeah. And we like have we seen that at this point with Michael Douglas? They had that scene in the previous Ant-Man where they did the mm. same effect, right? Yes. Was there any other ones where they, like they, I'm trying to think. Oh, of... uh, Tony Stark got aged down in. Um, Creepy. In Age of Ultron. Yeah, for um, barf. Yeah, I hated that. <laughs> but I, I feel like that isn't. That one still had an off-putting quality to it compared to Michael Douglas and Kurt Russell and later Michelle Pfeiffer. 
Mm, okay, I, I, I see your point. Like, so, so like, it's have, almost have, have mind blowing to me. And like, I feel like the best example is Samuel L. Jackson and Captain Marvel, where it's a whole movie where he's young Samuel L. Jackson, and you don't really notice for the whole movie. Man, I've I've literally never even thought about that until just now. I, I, just, <laughs> I, I, I just took it as like that's Samuel L. Jackson. You're blowing my mind. I think it might be because his face doesn't change very much compared to everyone else's. He's got a youthful face, but it is clearly like it's not the same as his insurance commercials where he okay. looks a lot older in those. You know what they say. Jack don't crack. <laughs> Um, I guess the two other things I'll just bring them up now and then I'll have you guys quick fire is I that was there was a like a funny theory going around that Stan Lee was a watcher and that's why he appears in every single mm. Marvel movie and they took that and used it as the as the Stan Lee cameo that he's hanging out with the watchers and is also a watcher. And I, I think he mentions he has like a package and I think that's from one of his cameos. I can't quite remember. So I really like this theory. I was going to say like one of my hot takes on this movie is that this is my least favorite Stan Lee cameo. Um, but if, if, if the idea is that he's a watcher, I like it a lot more now. Yeah. Ed just, of course, the package is reference to his Tony Stank line from Civil oh. War. Oh. As I look it up. I like that. Um, yeah, and James Gunn heard that theory and decided it would be funny to put that in the movie. That's awesome. Um, also, for those who don't know, the there's a long shot when they're jumping through dimensions, which is also a really funny scene where they're warping faces and stuff like that. Um, there's like a long shot that's focused on one planet and I don't know why they focus on it, but that is supposed to be Korg's planet, which yes, is, I, you do that. Well, I, I, I saw on that planet, um, two Korg looking things, Mm, yeah that, uh that, that, that we're like fighting on that planet yeah i was trying to rack my brain and i was like why did they show this for so long right and then it turns out it was which we we did previously see that planet in thor the dark world <laughs> um yeah and i guess i I'm excited to see Adam Warlock, who is teased in one of the like eight end credit scenes in this movie. A lot of end credit scenes, and 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 as if that wasn't enough, they also filmed an entire music video with David Hasselhoff for the "We Are Groot" song. Yes, which may have been for Jimmy Kimmel because Guillermo was on that, but I may, maybe. Guillermo was just on that because Guillermo was on that. Yeah. He his addition was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> we 
we cannot keep this guy out. <laughs> He's too good. Do you guys have any other quick thoughts? Stuff you wanted to get to that we haven't yet? Hmm. Quick thoughts? <laughs> haven't talked I... about Nebula. We haven't really talked too much about Kurt Russell either. Um, but we can skip that. What were you going to say? Sorry, Davis. No, no, no. So I, I think that Nebula is one of the more compelling side characters in the MCU. Um, and, and, and I think that this movie went a long way toward getting her there for me. Um, like, she's she's not quite a hero she's not quite a villain but she always seems to be caught between two camps or or at least starting in this movie i i guess in guardians one she was pretty clearly a villain um <laughs> and i'll i'll be interested to see what what nebula's future looks like uh in like a post thanos world because that has been kind of the 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 fire in her furnace for so long now. I will say that Charlotte has been having me watch uh, she's been trying to get me into Doctor Who. Ooh. And we oh. we, we Well, she's showing me the best of kind of like so we watched the introduction of David Tennant. We watched The Weeping Angels. Okay. And then we watched the introduction of Matt Smith. And we're not going in any order, so we're back. We Those were not in order, but those are the three I've seen so far. And blew my mind that Karen Gillan was in Doctor Who before reaching her Guardian slash Jumanji fame. I feel so that's just like blowing my mind because I knew her for so many years before all of this. And I loved her as an actress. Um, I think she, yeah, she's phenomenal. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, I didn't know that she was in Dr. Who until after high school, but I'm sure you can guess why that is. (laughs) (laughs) We get it. We get it. You were way cooler than the rest of us. You were cool in high school and it somehow went away. We get it. I know. It's not even true. <laughs> uh... No, I, I was, you know, getting swirlies every day just like you two. That's definitely what was happening. You eventually learned to like the taste of the water. Gross. <laughs> Woof. All right. Um, it, it is. Are are there any other like kind of parting shots on the movie? Corey, no, you gotta I, have something. I I didn't have a lot. Um, I I guess talking about Nebula, I I think her and Gamora are also a really fascinating um, team, and and just their their different sides of the same journey. Are, are just really fascinating, which again, I wish there was more time for in this movie. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's it. 
Not not a lot. I I am still surprised at how much I liked it because I remember not really liking it. Um, I also, I think I've said that for every movie we watched. <laughs> so. I I guess a, another interesting thing I was thinking about is that a lot of people will mention uh, they don't focus on Black Widow's death in Endgame, or yeah, in Endgame as much as Tony's death. But I kind of feel like Yondu's death scene is longer than Tony's. Like his whole funeral scene is like the last like 15 minutes of the movie. That's true. And it I, it does hurt. So I I like one one thing that I was that that dawned on me, I suppose, um when 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 i was watching the the ravagers like come and 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 give him his flowers was it it kind of sucks that he only got that honor and like the 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 restoration of friendship and death um certainly better than nothing but it would have been nice if he could have like known that his actions had an impact on on his friends but maybe that's not the point i don't know yeah i i mean when you think of it that way i agree but at the same time your heart hurts just from the seeing him sacrifice himself right and so you kind of forget about that in the moment that's true i i guess i just i love doing good things but even more than that, I love getting credit for doing good things. <laughs> that, that's how we know you, actually, Davis. Yeah. Um, completely off topic, but I think I have another contender for funniest line in the MCU. Ooh, do tell. Uh, when Peter Dinklage says in Infinity War... Or Endgame. I always forget. I mix those two up. But he goes... Infinity War. Yes. You understand, boy. You're about to take the full force of a star. It'll kill you. And then Thor responds with, Only if I die. And then Peter <laughs> Dinklage responds with, Yes. That's what killing you means. That is a pretty funny line for me, too. That is a good line. But... I, yeah, that one makes me laugh a lot. But... I feel like the Mary Poppins one still takes it for me. For for me, like that that whole the the five or ten minutes surrounding that part on either side um, is just so emotional. Um, like Drax is 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 up by the ship and is doing everything that he can including risking his own life to try and preserve the life of uh, Mantis. Uh, obviously, Yondu is, is is doing everything that he can to save uh, Peter. You know, G- Gamora and Nebula are finally teaming up. It, it, it's just like, there, there's so much... It, it, it's, it's the emotional climax of, of the movie. A- everything is coming together and, and, and kind of reaching ahead. And so 
that joke is kind of like a a moment to catch your breath uh, in, in the midst of all of these really like sweet and touching things that are happening. And also they're, you know, trying to be killed by like at, at least two different uh, very formidable forces. Yeah. Mm. I, I do have one thing that I want to ask about. Um, Adam Warlock was teased at the end of this movie. Yes. Number one. Are you all excited for Adam Warlock? And number two, are you all excited that Adam Warlock will be played by Will Poulter? I am excited in the sense that I know that you, Davis, are the biggest Adam Warlock fan that I know. And I'm more excited to hear your takes on Adam Warlock than I am actually to see him. I don't even have like huge Adam Warlock takes or, or, or like, like I, I don't have a huge vision for what I want him to be. I guess I'm more excited for you to say, I thought he was good in the movies or I thought he was bad in the movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't love the casting of Will Poulter and I don't know why, because I, I, I just don't know if he looks like what I want uh, Adam Warlock to look like. If I'm being honest, and I was casting just off of, like, look, I'd probably cast, like, Logan Paul, which would be the worst possible decision. Logan Uh, Paul? What? Do you want to know who I would cast? I do, and then I want to defend my choice to Corey. Okay, because mine is a weird pick, but I think if you think about it, it makes sense. Adam Devine. My gosh, I love that, and I don't get it. Please explain that to me. I don't know. He just looks like he would be an Adam Warlock to me. (laughs) I Honestly, I don't hate it. Well, no, I, I don't hate it. Um... Me saying well made it sound like maybe I did hate it. I don't. He is... He'd be too funny to be an Adam Warlock, I feel. I I kind of love that. I I don't mind it either. But I also, like, I think I'd like him in literally anything, so... So, Adam Adam Warlock needs to be strong. Mm. Uh, But Adam Devine very strong like he he's got a good figure his voice might be a little too funny to be adam warlock for me um i i i chose logan paul because he's just he has an amazing athlete's build and i've also seen him with longish hair um see i feel like taylor kitsch is perfect Typing Taylor Kitsch in my... (laughs) He's from Friday Night Lights, but there's, like, he has a lot of things. Oh, but what did he do? He he has been an X-Men. He's the one with cards. Um, Gambit. Gambit. Gambit, yes. But he he has roles where he has longer hair, and he has gotten very big for roles. Okay. It looks like he was in, like... What is this? uh, Like battle of the titans or or oh my gosh was he in um oh 
what was that movie? Oh, 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 John Carter. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm, I'm just going through Google image and (laughs) that's amazing. Okay. He, he can, uh, I, I just want him to be Adam Warlock because he's been both Gambit and, uh, John Carter, which (laughs) not, not, neither really got off the ground. Um, Ah, but I like Adam Warlock. I don't want him to crater Adam Warlock, but I'm sure Marvel. Anyway. The thing about Adam Warlock is I think he has a boyish look to him. Uh, That's true. To me, at least. And so I was like thinking like, well, maybe someone like Henry Cavill, but I like Henry Cavill is just too manly for an Adam Warlock, I feel. But maybe... uh, the guy who plays Clark in Smallville, I forget his name. Tom Welling. Ooh, that would be good. <laughs> I would I want Tom Welling to be a superhero again so much. Yeah, because so Tom much. Welling is a more boyish Henry Cavill. He is. Honestly, he's such a better Superman. <laughs> Henry Cavill was the wrong casting. I like Henry Cavill, but you're right, not a Superman. No. What? Are you kidding? What? He looks like a Superman. No. That's like 90% of it. No. <laughs> no, he's, he's not homegrown enough. Quit trying to mansplain us, Davis. <laughs> do, do you... Like, do you, do you all not remember in the Snyder Cut when he... Davis, like I did not off? watch the Snyder Cut. <gasps> what? Oh my gosh. I, I've got to give you my login. Um, <laughs> I have. Okay, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. One of these he, days, I do really want to read um, and go back to some some Justice League. As, as long as this podcast is still going, we'll eventually get to the Snyder Cut. <laughs> <laughs> we're 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 gonna do one episode per like chapter or whatever. <laughs> I, I can't remember if there were like four, six, or eight chapters well, of the Snyder one Cut. One of my favorite things is we often talk for longer than the movie. Like the we, runtime of the movie. I, so. I'm, I'm pretty sure we've eclipsed the movie runtime. Or, or, or we're like right at it. Right we, now. So right now we're at two hours and six minutes. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm pretty sure the movie's like 2.15 or 2.16. All right, we're we're still good. We're, I feel like we're wrapping up soon, as we haven't talked about Guardians of the Galaxy for a while now. We're 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 in the post credits. Yeah, fan casting Adam Warlock. Um. Okay. Let let me let me throw a name out there. Okay. Domino Gleason. Okay, I'm typing. Interesting choice. General Hux. But I could see it. The guy from About Time. Oh, no, I don't like that. I don't like that. The robot from Black Mirror. Uh, He's in Peter Rabbit and Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway. All right. Hello. I think I got a good pick. Okay. (laughs) James Marston. Wait, I thought we already talked about him. Yes, I love that. Did we? (gasps) Uh, Perfect. I love him so much. I I, I thought he was the guy from Smallville. No, that's Tom Welling. Tom Welling. Oh, gee. My whole life is on the (laughs) line. I mean, we are getting to the point where... 
all these people look the same. I know. <laughs> we are just choosing, like, there's, like, there's this type in Hollywood where, like, all these men are the same. Wait, I am tripping out right now because... What are you thinking of? Yeah, this I... is Cyclops. Yeah. James Marsden. I, I thought James Marsden was in Cheaper by the Dozen and Cheaper by the Dozen, too. I've spent my whole life thinking that Tom Welling and James Marsden are the same person. Kidding me, Davis? This is personally offending me. I'm sorry. I don't know why, but I think I should just, like, start becoming the biggest um, Tom Welling fan. I mean, there was a phase of life where I already was, so I'm just going back to those roots. If if you become a huge fan of Tom Welling, I will respond by becoming an equally big fan of James Marsden. <laughs> is. Oh my gosh, now I want to go watch Enchanted. Like, I love James Marsden. Uh, ah, I'm already winning. Corey, this has to already exist, but if not, you have to jump on this. What? You need to start a Smallville podcast called Somebody Save Me. <gasps> oh, see, the issue with that is I tried rewatching it, I think it was a year or two ago. Mm. It was really hard. It was really hard. Yeah, I could see that. And I think it doesn't help that the character that I love the most, Chloe, then went into like a sex mm, role. Yes. And you know, like that doesn't help. Um, yeah. Oh, I loved that show so much. <laughs> <laughs> Too much. Well, on that note, should we end the episode? I think we did it, guys. <laughs> I... I, I think we did it. Um, th this has been a twisting, turning episode. We want to give our condolences to the family of William Hurt and his loved ones. We want to wish uh, Harrison Ford the best of luck as he takes up the mantle of Thunderbolt Ross. We want to have many people other than Will Poulter be Adam Warlock, although we hope that he does well um and we want everyone <laughs> to know how cool i was in high school beautiful summary beautiful summary davis thank you what did you say cory it's a beautiful summary but i was like laughing too much while saying it spoken like a true jock so sick of this <laughs> screw All you right. guys i hate high school um I yeah, I, I'm 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 just gonna gonna wrap it up. Sometimes I forget all. I'm I'm in charge of stopping the recording. <laughs> hey, you're good. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh tune in next time. We'll be taking on Spider-Man Homecoming, where we get the cutest boy in school, Tom Holland, on the screen. We'll see you then. <laughs>